Welcome to the Grow with Glow podcast, the show where we explore ways to stay healthy naturally and increase your influence. I want to increase your leadership and your skills in business as well as at home. Today, we're going to jump into an interview with a really cool double belt world champion in the MMA world, who I'm talking about is Dan Henderson, otherwise known as Hendo. Now, we did this interview in a really cool environment. It was his environment, the middle of the octagon. I sat in the ring with a good friend, Matt Trainer, who played pro baseball for over 20 years, 10 of which was in the minor leagues, and he established a phenomenal work ethic. And then the last 10, almost 11 years was in the major leagues playing catcher. Having that experience, I thought would be a great co-pilot for this interview. Matt being a professional athlete himself for 20 years, and Hendo, who was given beatdowns in his mid-40s to other fighters in the ring, that could have been his children. He retired at the age of 47 after beating a fighter who was 26, literally 21 years older than the person that he fought in the arena. What I was intrigued by, and the reason I wanted to sit down with him, is his natural health approach, his use of chiropractic care, and also the longevity in the fight game. Physical, brutal, punishing. And yet, he went longer than most fighters ever will. Dan Henderson retired at the age of 47. He's now an entrepreneur. He's got a brew pub, a restaurant, a distillery, as well as a health and wellness center where he's committed to helping fighters recover from concussion. Look, on many fronts, this guy was intriguing. He was insightful. And in a very steady, calm, cold as ice demeanor, he answered these questions. I fully appreciate him giving us the time. His hospitality afterwards was second to none. And as a result, I've gone back to his gym every 90 days to provide health and chiropractic care to his fighters on his fight team. Dan Henderson is unique. He's one of a kind. And I think you'll see in this interview, there's a reason he was a world champ. It was his approach. It was his mindset. And the guy was unshakable. Matt Trainer and I sit down with Dan Hendo. Hey, everybody. We are inside the Octagon here at Dan Henderson's gym, and uh, I'm joined by ex-professional baseball player Matt Trainer, and uh, also Dan Henderson, who's hosting us here. Hendo, thanks for having us today. Oh, no worries. Thanks for uh, having me on. I never thought I'd say I'd be in the Octagon with Dan Henderson, so this is probably the only way I would this do it. This is it. This <laughs> is it. So uh, we're excited to sit down and just talk about your career, talk about some of the contributions you've made to the fighting game, but also just learn more about you. And uh, I think you've had a really interesting journey to where we are today. Um, and as we do this, I want to kind of share some things with the listeners that will maybe help them out in their health, their journey, uh, even their mindset as we go through some things. So um, kind of to kick it off, I always like to do a little bit of a backstory, a little thumbnail sketch. I know you were born in Downey, California. Um, shortly after that, moved out here. And uh, if you can kind of talk us through some of the early days of who who made Dan Henderson in the ring before we get to the octagon and some of the things you're known for. Uh, yeah, I, I grew up wrestling. I, I mean, I uh, my dad was my re one of my wrestling coaches growing up. And I think started wrestling when I was five years old up, to, up till... I was 30 or 31 years old after two Olympic teams and, and, uh, you know, had, had another coach also other than my dad, uh, for my club co wrestling. And, you know, I think those two, my dad and, and my coach, Bob Anderson was, uh, kind of a big part of 
what made me who I am as far as uh, being mentally tough and, you know, obviously knowing how to, most wrestlers kind of work a little harder than other sports, no offense. <laughs> None taken. <laughs> More cardio than baseball, I'll give you that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just uh, a little bit tougher mentally the 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 thing you got to get in your your mindset yeah for sure of getting through certain things and you're the only one out there you can't rely on anybody else you know i i, I felt like that's what really made me into the guy that i became mm -hmm. and affected how well i i was able to to fight in mma yeah, absolutely. And we'll get into some of the championships, the Olympics, and some of that stuff, because that's obviously what people knew you for. But kind of going back to your family, siblings, did you have brothers that you would, like, brawl in the house with on a regular basis? That was one of the questions Matt and I had driving over here. It was just because we have – I have two brothers. Matt's got a house full of brothers. That was, like, a constant battle. Um, I have one older brother. He was a year and a half older, and, and you know, he wrestled also. And, you know, we fought here and there, not – a ton, but you know, when he, uh, I think he was in like eighth grade, maybe he got super big and his balls <laughs> dropped early, you know, and and I was still a skinny little kid, so that's about when I started staying away from him for a couple of years till till I get kind of caught up a little bit. But he was always bigger and stronger and just huge looking compared to me. I was the skinny little little kid that that was very good technically but you know that that was my style in wrestling right when i was younger so yeah i stayed away from him but we, we would brawl a little bit here and there right on and then uh just give us a little backstory in home life you know uh your dad being your coach um obviously that had a positive influence on you but just kind of what was life like in your house growing up and uh, what were some of the the family characteristics that you took with you um yeah my my dad was a school teacher, so he was, uh, you know, kind of with us quite a bit of the time, mm -hmm. we, pretty much on our schedule throughout the year. So, you know, he was uh, kind of a hard ass. So we'd, you know, wake up and have a list of shit to do for the day. And, you know, there, there's no excuses of not getting it done. So yeah. that's kind of how I was raised, you know, there's, you know, that go out, go out and play and do whatever you want, but not until you get get your responsibilities done. Or if you, you know, if you stay out late. When I was in high school, I, I was I didn't really have a curfew, but I did during the season, but not after the wrestling season. But if I'd come home late, I'd still be getting up at six six thirty and doing shit around the house. So yeah, he'd get a kick out of if I stayed out too late and. <laughs> Get to wake you up in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, yeah. It didn't happen that often because I knew how miserable I'd be the next day. That's right. That's right. That's that discipline we were talking about that maybe is lacking a little bit these days with the the younger fellas. Yeah, for sure. Just the wrestling being one of those sports too, right? Like you've got to have that discipline in wrestling, and you're out there. There's nobody coming to save you. That mentality that you're the only one there, and you've got to do it. Um, a lack of discipline could lead to some bad things obviously when it comes to wrestling, but you had some great success in high school. Talk to us about that a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wrestled in high school, but I never did win a state championship in high school, uh, mostly because I kind of got sick my senior year, but still, you know, it, it, it goes to show that 
I, I was wrestled since I was five, but competed and wasn't. I competed year round in in freestyle and Greco as well as collegiate during mm-hmm. the high school season. But yeah, I, I uh, enjoyed it, but it was tough to get out and do other things. And and you know when I knew that I had wrestling practice or a tournament coming up, there's a lot of a lot of sacrifices that you have to make. And you know it, it was a good learning experience to kind of learn that. You know maybe maybe I sacrificed and didn't do something and still did bad in the tournament, but overall, if, if I wouldn't make those sacrifices, I wouldn't have accomplished what I did. I ended up, like I said, not winning a state tournament. California's a big state. Yeah. It's like, and, I, and I'm sitting with two pro athletes, and one thing I've learned over the years is most pro athletes will tell you what they didn't do. Yeah. Right, yeah. you'll, you'll tell you about the opportunity that you didn't, you know, cash in on. It was the right. the thing that got away from you, and it's it's notoriously a thread that kind of runs through all the greats. Is here's what I didn't do. So, you know, kudos to you being humble, but that's usually what I see with the greats. Is let me tell you what I didn't do. It's like, look, you had a, a storied history. You are, uh, by all accounts, one of the greatest fighters of all time. Um, you definitely put up the greatest fight in MMA history. Um, you were fighting at the age of 46 years old, guys in their 20s and beating them like soundly so before we get too far off track i'm gonna reel this thing in real quick and just say (laughs) the guy's a a genuine badass uh he just lives it you know uh the fact that your dad was in and around your life on a regular basis then you're a great testament to who he was because you're a super solid guy and uh you know his time with you certainly wasn't wasted um but anybody who follows fighting octagon mma we're going to talk a little bit about your pride days you know, going to Japan to fight, like to me, that's a whole nother level of commitment. So um, I'm not going to let you go too far on what you didn't do. Uh, that's that's what all the greats tend to talk about, right? So um, Matt and I did some homework coming in here. Of all the fights that you saw with Hendo, Matt, what would you say was one that stood out the most to you? Well, I, I mean, the Bisbing fight for sure. I mean, there's the names you fought, um, sit here and list them. In fact, the beginning of the second Bisbing fight, I believe – Rogan rattled off all these names and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, legend, 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 legend. And these are all guys you went up against. But uh, to me, the way you carried yourself pre-fight and all this pressure coming from the other guy, uh, Bisbing's talking all this smack, all this stuff. And just to see that uh, in the press conference, holding your demeanor and not just kind of flying off the handle and being this emotional wreck. And then to go out there and deliver and finish that way was just, it was, uh, to me, it was phenomenal. And uh, I felt stoked or whatever that excitement is for you not not necessarily just to watch somebody get pounded on i was like man this guy he kept his cool he did his thing and that's something that that i look up to because i'm an emotional guy i'm irish italian it's like uh <laughs> let's yell and scream first and then we'll figure it out you know that type of stuff so but um to carry yourself that way pre-fight and then go out there and do it to me was pretty phenomenal so but also too i mean uh, even the stuff you didn't do in the 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 big light UFC or pride, whatever, like the, the grappling at the end, but John Jones and, and Shamrock and all this stuff. It's like, wow, it's just the, it's very impressive to see. And, uh, and also to see how you kind of laid it out for future generations. Like, Hey, this is, this is something you can do and get after, but that commitment level, the discipline, all that stuff, it, it, uh, 
the the end goal isn't just going to show up. You got to put it out there and, and do it. So. so so let's maybe jump in there too, because even with that, when someone's smack talking or has a tendency to run their mouth and you keep your cool, kind of talk us through that discipline a little bit of of where you drew from, because you you obviously are good with who you are right? Like you're confident. Um, but to not come unraveled as Matt was saying, like to just be emotionally in check, talk us through what that mentality is like for you, or, or maybe something that would help people listening, because I think that's a big part of it, right? Is like staying within yourself to then take it when it, when it comes on fight day, as opposed to like spending all that energy beforehand. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the biggest thing is in my, in my book to, 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 be able to perform and be consistently good at what you do, you have to have that self-confidence. And that comes with the training that you've, you've had building up to that point. And, and life experiences, doesn't matter what it is that you're doing, those experiences will help you get that confidence. And, and without confidence, you're never going to achieve anything. So being that confident in myself when, when people would talk shit, just was like, okay, I keep talking, you know, I'll have my time and, and right. I'll shove my fist down your throat. You know, it's, <laughs> Do you think it's fake sometimes? You think that talking is like a false bravado, like uh, the cat in the corner type of deal? Well, I think some people need to talk shit some in order to build their confidence up and, or talk themselves into being, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. So I need to, you know, and then some people also put on this mean mug face, you know, before the fights just to kind of get their, their mental attitude in the right way, you know, where I'm happy go lucky and uh, during the face off and everything. But when I go warm up, be, you know, before my fight, and as I'm walking out there, I'm, I'm enjoying the moment at the walkout. But, you know, when I when I go and warm up, you know, my, my training partners typically hate cornering me or having to warm me up because I'm, I'm beating you up a little bit, you know, to, <laughs> Get to ready prepare for, for the fight. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm going to go ready. out and fight, and I need to make sure that I'm ready to fight. So I would uh, definitely get after it a little bit, and, and that's when – Mine, I know that my time's on, but I'm still enjoying the moment walking out there. And, you know, when we're doing it, when I do a, a face-off in the middle of the octagon or cage, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the referee standing there, I'm, I'm usually halfway smiling with a smirk on my face. Because right. I know that I'm finally, I trained my ass off for two months, two and a half months, and now I get to beat you up. Are you excited inside? Are you? Oh, are yeah. you I'm a ready? little bit excited. And is it, is it borderline nervous? Is that that same sort of energy, but directed in an aggressive way? Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you can. I I felt no nerves. Mm-hmm. Maybe my first one or two fights, mm-hmm. never never doing it before. But uh, once I figured out that it really didn't hurt to get hit. It was it was nothing after that. I mean, no nerves whatsoever. When the adrenaline goes away, <laughs> yeah, you feel it then maybe a little yeah, bit. Maybe. But yeah, I I would attribute almost everything that anybody does positive to being self confident in themselves. So, 
without that, yeah, I mean, that's a big thing. And, and these guys that aren't very self-confident end up being the ones that talk a lot. Mm -hmm. So just real quick, so you're nice and calm. Now we're getting to, to the fight, and now it's on. You're getting fired up. You're ready to fight. And now the fight starts. And how do you direct that energy, that aggression, but still stay focused enough to stay with your game plan and still read read your opponent and be able to counter and, and do certain things in the ring so that you don't get caught, but still have that aggression to where you're like, I am an animal. I'm a savage right now. And I don't give a, I don't give a shit if I get smoked right across my lips. I'm still coming. And that's to me that when I watch your fights, you didn't shy away from anything. Like you, you were, you were coming forward. And if you hit me, I'm, I'm coming, I'm, I'm still coming. And that was one of the most radical things I, I took away from a lot of your fights was like being so, I don't say peaceful, that confident aura about you. And to me, there's a difference as well between being confident and cocky. Mm -hmm. maybe overthinking well, some things sure. yeah but then how do you direct that energy from that aggression like hey man it's on we're going and then now it starts how do you what's that mindset are you just in like that training mode like you're reacting with because of your training or do you have that that game plan that you're trying to achieve something during that match and then and you see it play out i mean yeah you basically you have a game plan and you want to stick to that game plan so yeah, the best you can. Obviously, sometimes the game plan goes out the window, especially if you get caught with something, mm -hmm. you know, and hopefully your, your coaches or your corner can kind of get you back there. But um, for the most part, even when I'm walking out to that cage, I'm I'm thinking about my game plan. You know, even though I'm enjoying the moment, I'm also – my game plan's in my head. Mm -hmm. When I was backstage, you know, before walking out, still visualizing certain things, how the fight's going to start, what I'm going to do at the beginning of the fight. And then obviously your experience and, and training is going to dictate what you do after the fight starts, depending on what your opponent's going to do. So, you know, the, the more that you train different scenarios, the more you can react quickly and, and effectively. So, and that's like anything in life. Mm. The more you, you get trained at certain situations, the better you're going to be able to handle it and the more confident you are with yourself. So That's that discipline word, right? It's the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. The, yeah, there's that yeah. there's that weird spot as a young guy. I went through these issues as a young guy, not kind of wandering on my own, trying to make my own decisions. I made a lot of bad decisions. But um, that confidence comes from that, I think, understanding your training or the discipline, the way you live your life. Um, and I think sometimes there's that disconnect of um, that false bravado or that cockiness where you've skipped the discipline part. You haven't right. done your work in not even just in the fight world or baseball or whatever it is, but in life in general. Yeah. And then your shit goes off the rails and you're like, what happened? You know, right. somebody screwed me, that, that type of stuff. So um, and I look back at a lot of what I did and the things that I didn't do, like you were saying. Right. And a, a lot of it was a lack of confidence at certain times where I, oh, I'm in the big leagues now. I should take a step back instead of saying, I'm in the big leagues. I'm one of these dudes. I'm I'm here. And so going back to the fighting thing, that's a, a different element to where that we talk about fight or flight and, and the way it affects your body and all that stuff. But when you come in the octagon, there's no there's nowhere to go. And, uh, you know, all that training, you could train all your life, you know, to do certain things, and all of a sudden it's not there for you. You know, it's, it's just not clicking. So going back to um, – fight plan and and all this stuff is there any things when you were 
in the middle of a match where you're like, hey, listen, this isn't going good. I'm going to flip this completely. And it worked out for you to where you're, well, I can't believe that happened. And you're walking away with your hands up over your heads. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'd have to give that some thought on some of the some of the fights. But, I mean, I know that there was one fight in Japan where I got clocked right off the bat from like an overhand right and some of the guys that one guy that that i knew over there american guy that that had fought this guy before told me you know watch out for that watch out for that watch out for that same punch you know watch out for that overhand and uh go out there and it's in my head watch out for that overhand and next thing you know i get caught with it because mm -hmm. i wasn't focused on what i should do i was focused on what he might do to me and and that was a mental mistake that I think a lot of people get get into is this guy could do this, so I need to maybe, you know, I need to watch out for that, you know, and then that's what's in their mind when they're walking out to fight or, or to go play their sport. Yeah, focus. Instead of, instead focus. of focusing on what they are going right. to do. Love it. Focus on what you can control. Right, and see, yeah. you're not controlling I'm your sure plan, you've right? had that. Man, watch out for this curveball. Watch out for this whatever. And then you take it three times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> or swing at it because you saw it and it's in the dirt. Oh, right. You told yeah. yourself already. Yeah. yeah. But I think that goes to a key word Dan mentioned a minute ago, which is visualization. Yeah. Right? So when you're locked in, you visualize the ideal self. And when we're not confident or maybe off our focus, then you're worried about what they're going to do or what the opponent's going to do or what the environment is. And a lot of this can be outside of sports and metaphors for life. But, you know, the idea is if you're focused on the negative and you're looking for it, a lot of times you're going to find it. Right. right. It could be a, a overhand right. It could be a curveball. It could be something in business. But it's like, hey, if you're looking for the negative and that's what you're focused on, you could find it. But when you were said walking into, you know, steel cage and you're locked in and you're focused on what you're going to do and you're visualizing that, well, then that plan came through. And then kind of to your point, Matt, we we're talking about like in when when he's in fight mode, Hendo went through people. Mm hmm. And that's like, you're known for like the steel chin and you definitely took some big hits. I watch guys be in full mount on top of you and you never stopped. And then also like when you would drop that right, people knew it was coming and they still couldn't stop you. Talk us through that a little bit. Like when you were locked and loaded on that thing, heavy right, and it still came through, like not only did you hit people, but you, you followed through, like you knew it was on. Like we we were talking about watching the videos and just going, oh my god! Like I can't watch those fights before bed because I get too juiced. What is that like to experience it? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, especially everyone. Mostly, when I go out in public and do things, most people say, hey, "Thank you for knocking out Michael Bisping," or "That's the fight." There's a lot of people, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, uh, you know, I. I I don't know what to say other than I enjoyed it more than anybody. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and yeah, to your point or what you said with everybody knew that I was going to do that and throw that punch and I'd still hit them with it. Maybe, maybe I got lucky and they were thinking, don't get hit with that. Don't get hit with this. Watch out for that. And, and it happened to them right. too, instead of focusing on what they should have. And I typically, when, when, when I, have negative thoughts come into my head i replace them right away with a with a positive uh, say that again awesome. say that again yeah yeah, it's yeah and, and that's with anything any 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 uh negative thought i just replace it 
with a positive thought right away. Whether you know, if I'm thinking, oh, I gotta, you know, hopefully he doesn't do this or what, and, and then I'm like, well, what am I gonna do instead? What am I gonna do? And then I focus on my beginning or what what I'm gonna do at the beginning of a fight. Is that, that's, a, that's is that a, something that you've done all your whole life. Like, is that something like when you were a kid, maybe? getting to college you're like hey i'm gonna replace those thoughts with something positive no i don't you know i started doing that i think during my my fighting career a little bit but i mean i was always a positive guy regardless always self-confident but you know occasionally those those negative thoughts would creep in mm -hmm. and you know even later in my career they would creep in but i'd get rid of them right away and, and you know kind of first you know, you just got to recognize that that's a negative thought. And and then, you know, what's a positive thought to, to, to replace it with? You know, what instead of what's a guy going to do to me, I'm going to replace it with what I'm going to do to him. Sometimes, and, sometimes I'll mumble under my breath, cancel, and then I'll put in the positive thought. Like if I have that negative thought come in, I'll just go cancel. And then I'll think of the positive. But that may be like a huge soundbite for people listening. This is a double champ telling you when negative thoughts come in, you got to replace them with a positive. Like double champ giving you life advice. It's like that's huge because we all have those moments of self-doubt. But don't feed into it. Don't let it grow beyond a moment. And then cancel, replace it. What's the positive thought? What's the visualization? What is my game plan? And like you said, that first fight with Bisbing, um, you know, the, the announcers were like, he can't keep moving left. He can't keep moving left because he walked right into your right. And then like when you flew through the air and dropped that, like. Should have had a cape on there. Oh my God. <laughs> that was awesome. No, I think um, I talk about this with younger players. And I didn't start realizing that same thought until I was done playing. But that negative thought, you reinforce that action. When you think negative, you're reinforcing what you had just done. So take, for instance, I, I tell kids on the tee, you're hitting the ball, boom, right off the back net, perfect, boom, boom. You hit one, terrible, ah! You're, you're, it's like an emotion saying, oh, that was terrible. But your brain is gonna remember that, and you're right. gonna repeat that. So I wish I would've learned a little bit about that positive like reinforcement uh, and it's not being cocky. It's like, I, I have trained, I can hit a fastball, I can catch that guy, or you know, I can take this guy, that type of stuff. But uh, I think that's huge to take away that uh, replacing yeah. that negative thought. The reason why I asked you if you did that in your everyday life, because I could imagine like somebody seeing you driving around in your truck and just wants to, you know, I'm sure you get guys like that all the time, oh, want to stand up to you or say something stupid to you. It's like, oh. Not usually. Yeah, well, <laughs> if they know you, yeah. But, uh, yeah. You know, at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like being able to understand the situation, even if you feel terrible, all right, this is going on, recognizing it, and then almost diagnosing, self-diagnose, yeah. and then move on, boom, I'm out. So that's that's awesome that you did that when you were in the ring. Through your career, I mean, you wrestled in high school. That's what you were kind of known as. And then we get into the octagon, and you were dropping these heavy rights, the inside kick, dropping these heavy rights. But also in the Olympics, I remember as a kid watching you doing the Greco-Roman, like you you were willing to step into uh, disciplines where you were a rookie. You knew very little about it and you managed to excel in all different parts to then have this array as a disciplined fighter. And you fought up until the age of 46, again, against dudes in their 20s, which 
at some point in this interview, I want to come back to performance because that just blows my mind that you beat these guys and you were sometimes 15 years older than your opponent. Um, but just talk about being um, just kind of a, a rookie or new to a discipline and then being willing to take mistakes, fail faster, and then eventually become a master with it. What does that take to, to try something new, even though you could have just stayed with a strength, but you were willing to open yourself up to try something different? Well, I mean, growing up, I wrestled Greco and freestyle as a kid. They don't have the the Greco so much anymore for kids, but I wrestled Greco and freestyle growing up and never wrestled college or high school style until I got to high school. So that was a little bit new and, and a little bit of a change. But the biggest new thing and change was when I went into MMA and, and uh, you know, for me, I had been wrestling Greco so long and most of your training is kind of redundant and, and trying to do exactly the same thing, but just a little bit better or a little bit different. So you're drilling a lot on doing the same exact thing. Um, you know, and it, it, it wasn't as exciting as when I first started training MMA. There's so much stuff you could do and learn. And, you know, I was constantly learning new things and, you know, and, and then, after learning all these things, I started kind of the you know the the wheels started turning to how do I encompass that into you know my wrestling style and you know eventually and there was no MMA coaches when I started right there was, there was boxing coaches there was kickboxing coaches jujitsu coaches and wrestlers you know and and I kind of put it all together for a sport for myself and then you know i guess learn the hard way on what worked and what didn't work sometimes when you when you wrestled in your first olympics was that the first time the olympics had greco-roman wrestling no okay was it greco is one of the original the originals okay and was it the first time the u.s had a greco-roman team no okay no it was the that was the the first year that i uh was on that level of wrestling i never wrestled internationally at that age so in the open senior level i never never wrestled internationally before it was all so i I think i I made the team i was 21 so i kind of was wrestling in the age groups up till then and and then made the team after after training uh going to russia to train a lot there's a lot of olympic coverage on you uh, I felt like for that particular Olympics because of the Greco-Roman, and I know that goes back to Greece, and that's one of the oldest versions, but it seemed like, it maybe kind of to Matt's question earlier, is like, you know, the development of MMA and the octagon, a lot of it has to do with pioneers. Like, Dan, that took this kind of fighting and that kind of fighting and put it together, and here it is now kind of on a main stage. Um, you know, we talked about that driving over here, just how important having a pioneer in a sport is to basically break through uh, with certain things. What would you say? from Dan's early career to now, how the sport has kind of grown. Just oh, it's crazy. And that's some of the things we were kind of hitting on before was even just the training aspects of it and all that stuff. But um, uh, shoot, 94 is when I, 95 was my first spring training. And I was telling Dan earlier that we were watching videos and this is nuts. Look at these boys get after Video you know? tapes. It was video, VHS. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there was exactly. none of that digital stuff right. around yet. You know? Yeah, <laughs> definitely bootleg. Might be dating myself a little bit. <laughs> right. but. No, it's just interesting to see how how it's developed in, in the way, probably 
no other sport really has. I mean, football over time, the rule changes and all these different things. But to me, MMA has come together and, and gelled into this perfect point where people are accepting of watching, yeah. you know, like a Friday night fight. That's on ESPN every every weekend. 20 years ago, um, maybe even a little bit less than that, you wouldn't even think right. that that would be uh, available. But um to me, it just gives so many more options to a lot of guys that train their whole life, you know, get out of college. And even if you're an elite athlete at, in, at the college level, you know, how can I continue? I, mean, I see this in baseball, too. Guys would just want to keep playing, not necessarily to, to drive the Maserati, that type of stuff. But they love the game. They love, you know, I could imagine, too, as a wrestler or jujitsu practitioner or somebody out there, you know, like, man, I want to keep competing. And if there's nowhere to go, what do you do? You know, right. so. But uh, to see how it's developed into what it is today is it's extraordinary yeah. to say the least, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Many people would say the greatest MMA fight ever was uh, you and Shogun Rua. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a lot. <laughs> that was a little bit tougher than I was hoping on or planning on. But holy crap, he's a big boy. Yeah, no, it was, you know, and I think it was a lot more exciting for everybody else <laughs> that was watching. And for me, I I was out there and I, I kind of knew that I beat him up for three rounds pretty good, almost finished him, and then, you know, kind of got a little tired in the fourth, you know, the fourth round. And even, you know, and the last round he had me mounted most of the round and, and – uh, but he wasn't hurting me, and I knew that he. There's no way he would finish me. He was, he was so tired too. He was, you know, barely had anything on any punches. So, for me, I just knew that I had already beat him up, and I was winning the fight. Right. And uh, so it wasn't all that exciting. Like, oh, what's going to happen? Because I knew he wasn't going to finish me. Everybody else didn't know that. I guess so. They got right. all, all worked up about about nothing. So you were forty one, forty two. At that time, he was like 28 or 29. So if we can, I want to jump into some of the performance stuff. Like what are things you do outside of training? What are some of the things you do for rest, recovery? Like what have been some of your longevity secrets? Because you did it forever. I'm sitting next to Matt Trainer, who played pro baseball for 20 years, you know, more than half in the major leagues. But nonetheless, the journey through the minor leagues is 20 years. Like that's a that's a long time and some of the fights like that you did in japan were tournament fights two fights in a night what's the mo what's the most number of fights you've ever done in a night three jesus three uh, yeah that was definitely the toughest night of fighting i've ever had Holy <laughs> shit. I, and i i tweaked my knee in the second fight so my uh mcl got popped and tore a little bit and so, so boxers, there's like six months between fights and I'm not downplaying it. That's a, you know, amazing sport in and of itself, but like three fights in a night, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, most of my career, I had three fights in a year after that. Right. But, but it but, wasn't that big of a deal to me. I mean, if you think about when I first started fighting, I thought I was only going to do this for like a year mm -hmm. and, and then you know, go to chiropractic school or be a chiropractor. We talked about that. And, and say you know, that again, just so everybody perks <laughs> up in there. <laughs> so, so if you weren't going to be a fighter, what, what, what was your choice? I probably would have went to chiropractic school. Yeah. I didn't tell him to say that's the truth. What school were you going to go to? I was going to go to LACC. I was accepted and, and decided not to go because I, I, uh, decided to kick some ass instead. Well, <laughs> I, kept, I decided to, to try to make another Olympic team. That's awesome. That we, we would have, and been. then I found MMA. 
That's awesome. Instead of chiropractic school. So we would have been at LACC actually at the same time which is pretty yeah. wild. So we were talking about this off camera. I said, dude, we have to, you have to mention that. Like for the chiropractors <laughs> listening, like it is the coolest profession, second to MMA. Welcome to Grow With Glow, the show where we explore ways to stay healthy naturally and grow your influence. Today's episode is brought to you by Element, the clean salt electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. There's no sugar, just the essentials for optimal hydration. Whether you're an athlete, busy professional, or just someone who wants to stay hydrated, Element is designed for you. So what sets Element apart? Well, it's the science-backed formulation. You see, Element is created by experts who understand the importance of electrolytes like sodium, potassium, and magnesium in maintaining proper hydration and supporting overall health. These electrolytes are crucial for muscle function energy and anything that makes uh, element stand out is its commitment to real clean ingredients you won't find any artificial sweeteners or flavors in here element is keto friendly paleo friendly and suitable for a variety of dietary preferences and here's the best part for our listeners element has a special offer your first purchase through the website and the link below in the show notes will get you an offer where a complimentary package is sent with the purchase of your first item. So again, use the link in the show notes. And when you make a purchase, you will get a complimentary pack at no extra fee. You're going to enjoy it. And again, it's paleo and keto friendly, keeping you hydrated. But, but, oh, so, all right. So outside of the, outside of the fighting rest recovery, what are some of your health hacks? Oh, can we put chiropractors number one? <laughs> I, I did ha have a chiropractor I love it. for that helped me for years, you know, until, until so, he couldn't get any movement out of me because my body got a little bit I tight. Couldn't, I couldn't understand that. Yeah. So let me just make a short list. Chiropractor number one. Cool. <laughs> All right, we're good. <laughs> what what else did you do? Uh, obviously, uh, you know, nutrition and diet is super important. During training camps, I would, you know, definitely eat a lot cleaner. Give me a couple specifics. Like, what, what would you do away well, with? Well, you get rid of, you know, the... I got, I usually just got rid of the fatty food, the, the cheeses, and and you know less butter and everything on, on stuff and and uh, yeah, but I would just eat a lot of fish and chicken and vegetables and and salads and stuff like that. Occasionally, you know, red meat. Also, it's not like I, I didn't eat red red meat. I'm a, I'm a meat eater, so yeah. But during training camp, I would clean it up a little bit in that way, and then. Uh, you know, obviously stay away from the ice creams and stuff like that. What about when you went up in weight? Would you? It didn't matter. I mean, you just kind of ate what you wanted? Most of my fight to... career, I fought light heavyweight. Most of my fights, I think. I don't I don't know which one I fought more of, actually. But I fought some heavyweight and some light heavyweight and some middleweight. But I, I typically would weigh in for like a light heavyweight fight. The weight class is 205. I'd weigh in 203, 205 or whatever just that's what i weighed the last time i fought light heavyweight was against dc and, and oh really and he's a big boy yeah, he's big and uh i weighed in at 199 just because i i had just got done fighting i think i fought shogun for the second time in brazil and i was still in brazil and got a call from dana saying hey you you, you want to fight dc in, in seven weeks from now so i said all right jeez and got right back to training so it didn't my body didn't get a chance to kind of get chubby again and right. so i was 
real lean and in shape, ready to go. But mm. DC wore me out. He, he's a big boy. What was he back then? Two thirty. Well, the weight class was two hundred six, but he said oh. fight night he was about two twenty eight, two twenty nine. So and your I, walking around weight was is close to that 205, two hundred five, two two hundred. I was a, I walked around around two hundred two, two hundred three. Yeah. It's crazy to me to see some like I I ran into Chuck Liddell. Um, I didn't say hi to him to shake his hand or anything, but I was just amazed at how big this guy is. And he's, he was fighting at that 205 yeah. weight class. And I mean, I'm not great with weights, but I'd say he's well over 225 and he's not short and he's got these long arms. You're talking and, about now? Yeah. Yeah, now he's probably a little bigger than that. Yeah. And this was at a NASCAR event earlier this year. Oh, yeah, and no, I was he, like, holy cow, you know, this guy's huge. Yeah, I think he would get up a lot bigger. Him and, and Rampage is huge too. Right. He fought Rampage, right? Yeah. I didn't fight Chuck, though. No. But, yeah, I was actually scheduled. When I fought Rampage, it was <clears throat> I was scheduled to fight the winner of him and Chuck. So okay. It, that was my first fight from in the UFC from after Pride. What was it like fighting in uh, Japan, where you probably knew very few people <clears throat> when you got there and just going all in? Uh, yeah, it was... You know, the crowds were different, you know, that they're a little bit more mild and, and quiet, but at the same time, you know, they, they understood the sport better than most other countries mm. then. Mm. Now now everybody's a little bit more educated about it, but mm. they would applaud and, and cheer and it you know, all at the same time during the grappling part too, like, ooh and all oh, everybody yeah. at the same time and you know, they they definitely got a lot of energy into the into the cage mm -hmm. or into and they, they, i was fighting in a ring but they got a lot of energy out there th yeah. that i felt and uh even though you can hear your coaches super easy because there's you know you can hear a pin drop sometimes and then next thing you know everybody at the same time oh or, yeah. you know never n never hear them boo about anything mm -hmm. they were very respectful to the so to would you say athletes. that was very similar to fighting in brazil no. <laughs> no, Brazil, Brazil. I got you know. You hear them chant, "You're gonna die, you're gonna die." Well, my we were talking about this earlier. I it said when my wife Misty, she was playing volleyball over there. They were you know great. They loved volleyball, but once the match started, they were in that that court. <laughs> Boy, they didn't care if they were women. They were ragging on them hard. And yeah, tough crowd. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely another another sport that Brazil loves is yeah. volleyball and MMA. Yeah, so I could see that. So back to this uh, recovery stuff. I wanted to know, obviously, win, lose, or draw, you're going to be sore after a fight. And Depends. I, honestly, I probably wasn't sore um, very often the last 10, 15 years of my career. Nice. Like, it, you know. Just you're used to it. Yeah, I was just, my my muscles were in, in pretty good shape. And, and my, I had a circuit that I would do mostly during training camps that, yeah, I do a lot of reps, and my muscle endurance was pretty good, and and it, it was hard to get me sore. Give you us know, give us a little breakdown. Like, give me some specifics. I would do a hundred hundred rep set. Like there was probably thirteen or fourteen exercises on on the circuit, mm -hmm. and I would time myself hundred reps, and I would get the weight to where I could do about sixty to seventy nonstop, and then I'd only get a 10 to 15 second break and then I have to get the, to, to 100 
only with one brake. So you have to have the weight kind of correct and, and you time your whole workout, you know, and I think my best time is like, you know, 19 minutes and something like 14 exercises. Give me like what, give me seven. You can remember full body, you know, I could look at it right now. That's my whole circuit. Which, which so we're in your gym in Temecula, yeah. and this is how you train fighters. Yeah. So anybody interested, get out here. Start but. with my abs, and then uh, pull downs, shoulder press, leg press, a row, uh, a bench press, leg extension, leg curl, biceps, triceps, shoulders, and then the little girly any outy thing. The yes nos, whatever you want to call them. Good for your hips. Yeah, I mean, definitely good, especially, you know, I think it's great for MMA and, mm-hmm. and being able to, to side to side and and also in holding someone in your guard, I guess, right. and getting, you know, there's a lot of those movements that you'd be surprised. So 100 reps, and you'd obviously have to play with the weight, but you would do those 14 exercises timed. And, and when I'm nodding my head as you're saying that, it's not that I know anything about it, I'm just... Like admiring it it's, no, like, it's 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 a tough one you yeah. know like it, it's i've had some of my guys try to do it and you know it's it's tough for them to get anywhere in the 30 minute range but it's it's just one of those things that once your muscles get in that type of kind of endurance shape mm-hmm. it's it's different than Doing, bulk. doing bench press and trying to get your max out of out of something and yeah. that Beach doesn't muscles. yeah that doesn't really help you after the first 30 seconds you know right. you got to make sure that you can go and when i was fighting in pride you know the my first pride fight was two 10 minute rounds it, you know it's it's not like every all, you know five minutes. all rounds. endurance so you would train endurance and then even talking about your eating like just getting rid of some of the dairy that's an inflammatory process in the body we always say with protein, if people want to clean it up in general, these aren't specifics, but in general, the less legs, the better. So fish have no legs, chicken have two legs, limit the red meat because that can have an inflammatory process too. But the idea is there's a leaner way to eat and then you're training for endurance. And and on some level, all food has an inflammatory process in the body on some level. But you, it sounds like you intuitively pulled out some of the really you know, bad stuff for recovery. And for you to say like the last 10 to 15 years, you weren't sore after a fight. That, w- that I would have thought it would have been the opposite. Holy crap. Yeah. yeah. You would have been more sore. Well, I, I can say that I, w- I had sore spots. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah, of like sometimes, you know, knots on my head or something like that my, yeah. in my face, but. Checking my, out your hands. Your hands are busted up a little yeah, bit. My muscles never got sore. I mean, now I get sore doing yard work. Right. So, yeah, I, oh, it's just impressive. I mean, yeah, and, no, it is. and again, to be fighting, you know, mid 40s against guys that could be your your sons, you know, and, and whooping them. It's just like, shit, man, there's got to be something more to it than just good genetics. And, and obviously, well, yeah, I mean, I definitely had good genetics, but, you know, I, I definitely I I was low in testosterone and, and got athletic commission approval to, to start the TRT, the right? TRT for. Mm-hmm for a little bit of my career and uh you know and then once they they said no more because people kept abusing it right they, they said you can't do it anymore which mm-hmm. you know kind of sucked for me because i'm i'm out there making sure that i'm doing it correctly and right testing myself on my own just to make sure that i'm always within limits and and uh you know 
when I quit, it was I didn't notice that big of a difference, and I wasn't doing that much of it, but it definitely helped. Right. And then when you stopped taking, because you were doing the TRT, testosterone replacement therapy, uh, what did you kind of supplement it with or what did you substitute it with or what did you do to make up for that gap? When I quit, I yeah. just quit cold turkey. and Cool. Yeah, I think most, like back to the mental attitude, most of things like that, I, I didn't really notice too much. Mm -hmm. um, and it just mentally, I mean, I'm going to get out there and get it done and that was my attitude. Yeah. I'm going to get out there and go train. You know, I did, before I, re I did retire, one of the biggest things of why I decided to retire wasn't because my body felt beat up. It was more about laying on the couch after practice and not, you know, not having the energy to go and hang out with my kids and, you know, take them places that they need to go to. Sure. So I was kind of missing out on some of the family things or wasn't able to do it or just didn't do it because I was tired and there's, so, nothing, there's nothing more exhausting than fighting uh, me mentally uh, they're talking about that fight or flight just you know get worked up and a little bit of a spat it makes you feel like you're crying all day and you're exhausted and yeah. can only imagine adding the physical element to that uh, with you know striking people and uh, I do sport jujitsu yeah. and that's it's such a different thing I feel weird even talking about it but you get done and it's like it, that's one of the great things about it is if you feel you feel like you just let everything off your chest <clears throat> but then again i'm not uh, in a cage where i'm gonna get smashed and all that stuff so there's that safety there but uh yeah i can only imagine like you must have had a team of like maybe a massage therapist a pt on you know on call hey i need you or that type that type of thing or i had a massage therapist yeah. i would get during training camp massage twice a week Tip, my typical massage was probably three hours long. Just grind it out. Yeah, and, and she, I mean, it was a female that kicked ass. She was really good. Yeah. You do anything like uh, cryotherapy or you know that type of stuff when yeah. it started coming out? So, so yeah, and we actually um, have now it's connected to my gym. It originally was in the gym when it first started, but a place called the Lab where. They do a lot of the uh, hormone replacement, and there's a cryo chamber in there, uh, a saltwater float tank in there, full pod, and then they do IV therapies and all sorts of different things mm -hmm. as well. Um, so the cryo machine was in my gym for a while, um, probably the last couple of years of my career. So I would do that quite often, and and Pretty definitely, effective. yeah, it definitely helped. It, it helped increase circulation and and just which does help with recovery a little bit. Mm -hmm. that, that's also helps with thyroid issues for people. It'll help uh, testosterone counts, you know, lifting heavy things. It sounds very basic, but that's a good testosterone builder people can do. Right. Cryotherapy will stimulate the thyroid, which also balances hormones. Um, so I think those things too are really cool for people listening. Like if you want to take control and do some stuff natural, what I love is as we pulled in today you could see it's attached to your gym right right you have fights here when do you typically do those uh, i've been doing about four a year about every three months so next one's coming up in a month right on but, yeah how many how many uh fights do you have in a night uh, i typically have about around 10 so i awesome. 12 would be kind of the ideal number but right i think we're gonna have 10 fights and sometimes we have uh kids pancreas fights that like two or three of them 
in either the intermission or at the beginning. We we throw the kids in there, give them a little bit of experience, a little love from the crowd, and and it's pretty fun to watch. That's cool. As well, but that's cool. Pretty savvy crowd. You get a whole range of people. Uh, yeah, you know, some of them are my gym members, but most of them are from just anywhere from in, in town. Some of them drive from out of town, but you know, and obviously so a bunch of family members of whoever's fighting is here as well right. to support but yeah it's it's a pretty good crowd we usually get you know four to five hundred people that's awesome, that's awesome that's... you can kind of this facility is amazing in itself but to be able to open that up to young fighters and get them some experience and fight time is i think is huge given it's back. huge are we allowed to talk about what's happening on the other side of this wall but the uh the yeah, restaurant absolutely. the restaurant yeah, and I mean, the bar and yeah that's that's a big big project i've been working on for years now because of covid it kind of got slowed down but um yeah it'll be a brewery distillery restaurant uh in in the same building my gym's in part of it will overlook the gym that's awesome so basically just outside of where we're sitting is a loft that people can sit have a beer and watch these 10 fights I would say we're about an hour straight east of LAX. So if people wanted to come out at some point or make it part of a trip, it would be worth it. Um, but talk about the the brewery and distillery a little bit. What's going on there? Yeah, I mean it, it's it we're we're back on track. Construction's started, so we're uh, hoping to be open within a few months. And uh, you know, obviously, craft beer and and craft distilling is is kind of right behind the craft beer world where a lot of people are getting more in tune with with that and, and liking sure. some some pretty pretty good alcohol that way and 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 the whole place will kind of be more of a uh sports bar country bar steakhouse feel to it so country bars. When, he, when brad was explaining it to me before we came out it, it reminded me of those places in texas that you go eat Bitchin' barbecue, and then right outside you watch the bull riding. I mean, literally, there's a <laughs> ring, and you, you watch the guys ride bulls. That's funny. So I thought that you know when he was telling me about this place, I was like, no way, I gotta go, I gotta go check it out. So, um, yeah, cool. I can't wait to get here. Was it December 10th? You said? Yeah, that's the next, the next yeah, one. Yeah, I'm gonna be here for sure. Check it out and bring my buddies. And then what is the uh, the beer and distillery? What's the brand we're working to look for? Uh, well, the, the the restaurant's going to be called Hindo's Barrel House. Yes. And then, you know, I think it'll be Hindo's Brewing and Spirits will be the alcohol brand. I'm sure we'll, we'll have some pretty cool names. Right on. On there for some of them. Hendo's Distillery, it'll knock you out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you what an I, emblem yet? That's the, right. The what, H-bomb. That's yeah. it. What I love is uh, you've kind of mixed all your passions, uh, your brilliance, and also your hard work. So we've got the restaurant and in bar which is shaping up beautifully uh distillery and brew house so we've got ales that are going to be sipped on while people watch the fights but it's done the right way i would tell you everything that you're doing in this gym is like just super impressive and then also you've got the health side in the same facility so it's like looking at all these passions lining up um one of the things we admire about you is just kind of tying in after fighting you didn't lose your purpose like you, you kept talk a little bit about how important the word purpose is for people right well i mean for me i just you know obviously i didn't want to sit around doing nothing but you know i love coaching and and i don't you know i get in here most days during our pro practice and and uh i still don't get in here enough but mostly because i'm busy working on this project and and it's been kind of kind of a, a 
battle of of getting it done but still staying staying on focus and and trying to visualize when it's going to be done so i mean it's uh it will get there and and and, uh you know i I have all confidence in in being able to get it there but yeah it'll be a pretty cool little it's gonna be spot super cool i'm i'm hoping to to learn how to do a lot of the stuff myself brewery i'm i'm already pretty good at cooking but (laughs) i uh i follow you I follow your Instagram. You're definitely good at cooking. Like some of the barbecues you put on, bro. Yeah, no, those are good too. <laughs> it's tough to go out to eat sometimes, and yeah. some of the stuff you get isn't nearly as good yeah, as you could have made them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know. But I'm hoping to be able to brew some good beer and and distill some good alcohol as well. I'll be ready to taste when you're That's ready. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. Just kind of tying all those things together. Um, your passions and what you have going on in here. When these fights occur, you're here almost every time, right? No, I'm, I've been here every time. Yeah, right for sure. I, I make sure that when I schedule it, it'll, it's, I'm here. So, so if people want to come out and see the fights, taste the product coming out of the kitchen, um, see what the uh, health stuff is all about. You're guaranteed Hendo will be here on fight night. Probably 50-50, Matt and I will be here. Probably more like 99-1 that I'll be here. <laughs> I got I to work it out with my schedule too, but now that I have December 10th locked in, I'm going to go home and put in my reservation. So right on, <laughs> I'm right excited on. for it. So Matt doing jiu-jitsu knows a lot about what's going on in the fight world, more so than I do. Um, just as we kind of wrap this thing up, man, Give me some final questions for Hendo. What oh would boy. you want to know? I know, take it anywhere you want to go because uh, we've been pretty stoked to do this interview for a while. My my biggest thing coming in was to see what you were thinking because everybody, I'm sure you've done a million interviews and everybody's talked about every fight and probably should be a book or two written about it. But uh, I am in the middle of getting a book written. a boy. I mean, so, you should. Uh, yeah, I'm writing it with somebody so do an audio uh, audio version and you read it <laughs> that I like, would be cool i like audiobooks when they're they're read by the author, the author. there's a different flavor to it that's right but um your your mental attitude is kind of what i was thinking about like what right. made you good because a lot of what i do i don't go out and coach um you know private lessons and do all this stuff and for me to coach I did it a couple times, a couple seasons at the junior college level. And it was nice that it fit into the schedule. I was home by 3.30, picking up kids, doing all this stuff. So it worked out. But my goal, my my purpose, I guess, after I left baseball was to to try and teach and, and uh, give something to the young players. And what I deduced was that a lot of what I, I learned was after the fact. You know, I, I went through it and I grind through it. I, there were some ups and downs. But what I wanted to give to the next generation was the things that I struggled with. And a lot of that wasn't necessarily the physical, it was the mental makeup, the discipline you talked about early. And a lot of what I was lacking, I don't wanna say, I was one of eight kids, so I don't wanna say I got lost in the shuffle, but I was number four. So I was kind of left to my own devices when I was in high school. Um, I had a direction I knew I wanted to go into, but it wasn't locked in. I was just given a bunch of money at 18 and I blew it all in, in two years and that's probably the most learning uh, experiences <laughs> I had. You learn through tough experiences. Right, for sure. Um, so listening to how, you know, if somebody was to listen to this, a young athlete or even just anybody really, just understanding that that mental focus, that, that discipline to get up off the couch, make that first move. You can't, 
can't get into shape if that's your issue you want to lose weight you get into shape you can't get into the gym if you don't get your ass off the couch so it steps with you know starts with one easy step and so looking back at what some of the stuff you were saying about your mental approach even just the way you knew the presser was going to go to the your pre-fight workout your walk up the whole thing you already had it mapped out so mentally it was all part of the game plan you know so going back to what i was hoping to get from today i hope nobody missed if they listened to the whole whole little interview or whatever we want to call this here is that your mental uh mindset is paramount to your future success in my opinion and there is some nuances to that too like your backstory your your upbringing where you came from and stuff like that but in reality if you can understand where you want to be and that end goal and then start breaking it down into these smaller things that stuff that happened in the past can it it's not going to affect that process that I've already mapped out or I shouldn't let it um there's always going right. to be obstacles in the way as well right uh, even for the most successful people that's what I was going to say it it all and I didn't mention it but you kind of said something about it is it all starts with setting a goal though <clears throat> you're not going to get your ass off the couch if if you don't have a goal right you know if your goal isn't to go get in shape if your goal isn't to be good at anything physical you're not going to get your ass off the couch and do it physical or mental it doesn't matter mm -hmm. set yourself a goal first and and you know and then make those sacrifices to achieve that goal and sometimes it's easy sometimes it's not so easy but we can't give up the gotta, first time you gotta, the speed bump you gotta hits, yeah. yeah well, for sure and, right. that, and that's and that's where eventually you would learn to be mentally tough to not give up and yeah, I, I couldn't tell you where or how I became this way. I think a lot of it was instilled in me as I was growing up and and getting older and, and competing from five years old until 46 years old. You know, I, I became at some point in there pretty mentally tough. And, and you know, I've coached a lot of, a lot of fighters, a lot of wrestlers, you know, and, and if they're already kind of, in college age it's it's really tough to teach mental toughness mm -hmm. they kind of i i believe it, it starts with your parents and and or some of your coaches as long as your coach has a little bit more leeway with your parents you know nowadays the the whole generation and parents get all butthurt about coaches telling their kids something when it, it's a good thing for them to hear sometimes that to get your ass on and work harder. Mm -hmm. Don't make excuses for your own kid when he's the one that should be working harder, you know? And I think that's a little bit of what's going on with nowadays, which makes it different. Totally agree. Everybody, it, it seems like everybody that, not everybody, I shouldn't say that because that generalizes everybody, but the a predominance of the people that I, that I've worked with, they, the end goal is this MLB slash division one thing. But with, like you were saying, there's no, that's the end goal, but there was nothing right. set up beforehand. So, yeah, you got to so like, set, definitely set smaller goals. You can, you can take the, the session. Somebody can come in here and do a workout with you, but that doesn't mean all of a sudden you're proficient in what you do. You have right. to continuously yeah. do it. And I don't see that, um, I see that in a smaller amount of, of the amateur athletes that I see nowadays. Whereas when we were kids, uh, you know, 
we didn't have access to year-round stuff or access to private coaches all the time and you know these weird things like if you pay more money he must have some better information you know that it, this weird mentality of it, it just happens because i want it to happen it doesn't work that way and you're a, a living testament to grinding it out and it, forget about the the belts and all the you know the lights and all that stuff but to fight and do what you love from just what you said i was thinking more or less that 92 olympics to the finish of your your fighting career but no you you it's five years old you know and to right. do that and carry that passion until you're in your mid 40s and not even it's not done there look at we're sitting in the middle of an octagon in your place you know with all this stuff so for me the more i learn about you the the more uh, intriguing uh, you are as not just a fighter but as a person and that was one other thing i kind of wanted to get to is that um you know, hopefully there's some college athletes or some athletes coming up that can understand something that I kind of grabbed from you, but you didn't say specifically. You're, you're the discipline and the work and all this stuff, and this is something I struggle with as well, is your value as a person isn't based on your performance as an athlete. So like when that is done, your career is done, you're done right. in college, now it's not, oh, I gotta start over, I gotta right. find a new, per a new me. It yeah, no, it's definitely a common, I think, thing among athletes when they retire, pro athletes when they retire, you know, what's what's my worth now or, you know. It's, that's almost verbatim what I said to myself. And it was almost like what, what I had invested my whole life. I didn't go to college. I didn't do all that stuff. But for the normal person, too, like um, I do this with myself and my kids. I, I discipline them, you know, don't do that. Go to your room, whatever get your stuff, get in the car, we're out of here. And then I see my kids are like, you know, they're in trouble. And then all of a sudden, oh, did I do the right thing? Was I overboard? And then I, I asked my wife, who's a sweetheart, we play good cop, bad cop, right? She's like, no, that they needed that, you know? I was going to say, she's tougher than you, bro. <laughs> but she, when it comes to sports and she, discipline, like she, she turns yeah, it off. she's on, yeah. So she, you got a lot of the, the those characteristics that make people great, I see it, there's a commonality there. Yeah, well, yeah. I think it, I think what I see in both of you guys too is that you loved the process, and I think that's important for people. It's not when you get the belt, then you'll feel good about yourself. Like you love being in here at five a.m. You love. Well, I don't know. When I retired, everybody said, "Oh, do you miss it? Do you miss it?" And I said, "Well, I miss the competition a little bit, but not the preparation." Sure. I mean. So I didn't. I don't think I loved being up in here busting my ass. I just knew that if I didn't, I might as well just not do it. And I think that's key too, though. Not every day is is fun, but you got to do it, right? You got to stick to right. it because you made the For commitment. Sure. And that, and, and even and when you, you do don't... have to make it fun yeah. enough for you, for you to keep your interest for sure and usually if you don't feel like doing it in any sport i played lacrosse in college like after 10 minutes of not wanting to do it all of a sudden you're happier there you know what i mean like you just got to get through the first 10 minutes of it and then all of a sudden like that switch gets flipped and you're like all right i'm here i'm into it i'm gonna do it but you know, kind of my message maybe for the listeners is happiness is the way, it's not a destination. It's not like when I get to D1 or Major League Baseball right, or done. the belt, then I'll be happy. It's like, no, you have to you have to be into the process enough to get through the, the sucky days, because that's true of anybody. And you gotta embrace that work part of it to make it make it fun. It doesn't have to be the best, but you yeah. have to make it fun. And then no, casually absolutely. Hendo mentions, Oh yeah, I'm writing a book too. It's like right, we yeah. got a restaurant, we got a brew pub, we got a distillery. I got a guy uh, helping me write it, you right. know, 
so I could sound halfway intelligent. But yeah, it it should be. We're almost done with it. When's that supposed to be coming out? I don't know when it's coming out. I know that it, it's. I think just getting finished right now. He was in the last chapter uh, this week or last week. Yeah, that's so true. soon. Hopefully, yeah. Fight fans. I'm sure a lot of people. Yeah, get yeah. Out of the and the funniest thing is, you know, I was like, you know, he he actually came into my world because of he was kind of doing a documentary on on CTE and stuff like that mm. for pro football and uh you know came and interviewed a couple MMA guys and then uh ended up doing another documentary on boxing and then one on in MMA about CTE but in that process of meeting me he wanted wanted to help write a book I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't think I, I'm not that exciting. I'm kind of a boring dude, and I'm sure you got tons of stories. Yeah, and then you know, <laughs> yeah. but he's he's just you know when when we're kind of getting through asking all, he's asking all sorts of questions. It's like, you know, holy shit, dude, this is so exciting. I mean, but it's exciting to him, but I don't know if it's exciting to everybody. But well, you lived it, he, yeah. He, yeah. But to me, yeah, I lived it, and. I, you know, and I know that I've done a lot of things in my life that most people don't get to do traveling wise, but right. almost all of it was through, through wrestling and through sports and, and fighting. Most of it was wrestling, traveling all of, I mean, I was in, I was in Russia when the, the day they, they broke up, I got there that day and stayed for four months mm. and turned 21 there during that trip, you know, and then came back six months later, made an Olympic team. Jeez. But I had been there 12, 15 times in in, in a two-year period dropping out of school. Mm-hmm. So sometimes dropping out of school works out for you. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. would be Life. one of those times. That's right. Yeah, life lessons instead of school lessons, right. I guess. Yeah. yeah. I think it's huge. A couple words I wrote down were purpose. Uh, definitely seems like you have a purpose. Um, the process, you're committed to the process. And I think if we put a third P on that, it would be profits, but that's not to say money. There's right. different currencies in life, right? So if you have a purpose and you're committed to the process, the outcome is you're going to get more of the things you want. And not every day is payday and not every day is the day you win, but you stick with it long enough. And then just to see you transition that into business, into you know what you're doing here in the gym, and then just listening to both of you guys talk about giving back to the sport, and knowing Matt pretty well, um, I've seen him do that a lot too. Just give back that love to the game. And, and what I love that you said is the earlier you start is almost easier. Well, to, to teach somebody certain things, if they already have – it's hard to break break bad habits and it's a lot easier to, to start with a clean slate, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and teach them the right way the first time. You know, unfortunately, not everybody has that person in their life that that's a good enough coach to do that. And and you know, I, another reason why I think I did really well with with my wrestling and and you know, my coach sent sent us to Russia to learn how to wrestle better. You know, it wasn't like, hey, I'm I'm going to teach you everything you need to know, right? Because I, you know, he, he recognized that, you know, he was a great coach, but Technically, he didn't know everything. Mm-hmm. He wasn't the best at that. Go out and learn shit, and bring it back here, and then we'll make it. We'll make you ready to use it. That makes him a good coach too. Being yeah. open-minded to absolutely helping his guys. 
Yeah. And not, like be, not being the one that limits you. Right. Right. Being able to go beyond that. Right. Yeah. And just this idea, too, that like, you know, one day I'll start this or one day I'll get off the couch. What you were saying earlier, Matt, is just instead of saying one day, just flip those words and just make today day one. Right. I'm just yeah. going to start, you know, and, and just be willing to be bad and then you get better through the process. And, yeah. Well, so. I mentioned goals and, and, you know, setting goals. I didn't really go into that too much, but. You got your goal for the day, you got your goal for the week, the month, the year, whatever, but, and then your ultimate long-term goal, and you know, and once you reach that long-term goal, hopefully you're, you've already set new ones already, right. you know, yep. um, but it, it all starts with achieving that daily goal. Right. Or the hourly goal of getting out of out of bed early, you know, whatever, you know. Yeah, to totally. Start working out, going to the gym three times a week is my goal. Right. Now you're going to the gym and you want to do something better or get stronger at something. Right, it's not a chore and anymore. It's just that, part of what you that do. Goal. Make a game yeah. out yeah. of it too. Yeah. You're going to go get your nails done, go, go into the and gym. And maybe that's it. Not not that you love the process, but you make a game out of it. Like you find yeah. a way to, to get through that process. Of right. It, so. All right. What final questions do you have here, my man? Lay it on me. Give me one more for Hendo. Come on. 10 minutes after we get down the road. I know yeah. I have about 30. <laughs> but uh, Yeah. But uh, this, this was good. I definitely want to give you my personal thanks for taking the time. Uh, I think I, I was telling Brad last night a little bit, or was it yesterday? I got adjusted. I said, people like you need to be celebrated. Yeah. You, you need to be <laughs> out there and, and not in this weird, like, oh, rah, rah, rah. But did you went out there? You did it. You're a living testament to grinding it out and banging it out. And the way you carry yourself, too, I think maybe that attracts me to that you know people we have all these these energies with us and sometimes you just bounce off dudes like our energies aren't clicking but the way you go about your business and and uh watching your past performances and all stuff i nothing but respect for you and i appreciate you taking the time just to sit down and you know and I, like i'm hoping i'm praying that people will listen to this especially younger people that are starting to go through that grind that high school uh junior high-ish type mm -hmm. thing where you're starting to figure out who you are you don't know who the hell you are and giving yourself some guidelines and taking some of the stuff that this guy has told you because you know most of the we said this a little bit earlier experience comes with failure i don't know if we said yeah. it exactly like that but if we can eliminate failures to that next generation just keep making everybody that much better as we go along so thank you for that oh no worries yeah and thanks for sharing some of the inside stuff on health and the routine and uh, the fact that you are going to be a chiropractor. I think a lot of the listeners <laughs> are going to get a kick out of that. Um, super cool. But even sharing some of the, the routine of, you know, what makes you great and just being disciplined to do it. Uh, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I don't I mean, I know I am completely happy with my whole career and what I've done, but, you know, I don't consider myself, a you know, great. I, I, I just consider myself a normal dude that had a abnormal job <laughs> <laughs> which is why we want to celebrate you right yeah, it's just like it. because it's that you know workman's uh, mentality going to work pick up your lunchbox and get to it that's not often seen these days but we totally appreciate it and uh yeah we've been watching footage of you for a while and getting prepped for today and i think maybe the trash talking before the biz being fight and then taking care of business and just kind of a nonchalant i'm a normal guy in an abnormal world i think that comes through in all you do and and for that we're, we're really grateful to have sat down with you today so dan henderson out here in temecula california i got uh, matt trainer to my right and uh this is one of my better days on planet earth too buddy so thanks for taking <laughs> the time with us man i really appreciate it no worries no worries thanks for having me
Hey, if you enjoyed this interview, please do us a favor. Click subscribe on YouTube. We are Grow With Glow on the YouTube channel as well as Dr. Glow DC with Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. So if you get a chance, follow us there. You won't miss any of these other interviews. And if you have something nice to say, please put it in the comments. And like your mother told you, if you have nothing nice to say, say nothing at all. But we do appreciate the shares, the likes, and the comments. Keep it coming, and I'll keep bringing you some world-class information from world champions. Hendo was phenomenal, and a quick and sincere shout-out. Thank you, Dan. You're amazing.